In the words of a king, there is power. And as we behold him with unveiled faces, we're transformed into the very image of God. Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. K. Ijishesan, brought to you by Kingswood Ministries International. We believe that as you listen, faith is stirred up in you to become all that God has called you to be. Are you ready for the word of God this morning? I'm not if you were blessed last Sunday. That was a meeting that was planned by God. God planned it. I know Reverend George came with a stroke. And I, I hope you received it well. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you a thief? Okay. If the neighbor is wondering, that means the neighbor was not in the service. Now, turn to the other neighbor on the other side and say, neighbor, I hope you are not a thief. Because last Sunday we dealt with thieves. Apparently, there are thieves in the house of God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, it said, Let him who stole steal no more. So it's not as if he was hoping they would not steal, they were already stealing. He said, Let him who stole hand the act of stealing and to let you know what he was really talking about the last part of that verse says let him give with his hands yes. <laughs> so not giving as you ought to give is stealing not giving as you what ought to give is what Stealing. Now, somebody said, but I'm under grace after all. You are under grace, but you will not maximize the grace that is covering you if you're a thief. Because the stealing will dislodge you from grace. As powerful as grace is, there are positions that help you receive grace. Hey. So, grace can be available and not utilized if you are not well positioned. They are positioning. I remember growing up those days of antenna and satellite. Is it, before, is it satellite, whatever, you know, that, you know, at times your, your TV is struggling. You can, I don't know if you have been there before, especially when a match is happening, like what call. And all of a sudden, you see all these pimples on your screen. So your dad will send you out. Who are the people that their dad used to send out like that? No, you are one of them. So your dad will send you out say, Junior, go, go and fix it. So Junior will run to the... And you say, yeah, it's okay, leave it like that. At times, they are like, just stay there. <laughs> because you leave it, say, no, 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 go back, go back, go back. Yes, it's fine. They were, almost, they were almost saying, can you just stay there so that we can watch the match? Now, the, the, there's reception quite all right, but it's not clear. So there's a right positioning. And listen, one of the ways to position effectively for the grace of God is to learn how to give. Do you know before God could use Abraham for what he wanted to use him for, he needed to teach him how to give? Hey, what he waited for, for several years. I'm talking about his Isaac. God now said, go and offer it. Hey. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's not easy on the flesh to offer you Isaac. Something happened during, the, during this past week. There's a friend of ours that we've not seen for a while. And I was just excited. As I was enjoying my excitement, God told me what to give, which I will not tell you. I was excited in my spirit, but my flesh was questioning it. Even after I've done it, my flesh was like, are you sure? Are you sure you did something smart? But it was the Holy Spirit at work in me. You know, one of the areas where you must grow is in giving. Write it down. You must grow in giving. You know, the Bible talks about growing in grace. One of the areas where you grow in grace is grow in giving. Grow in giving. Growing, giving, growing, giving. In fact, one of the proofs that you are really growing is when your giving is growing. Like he said last week, if all the increase God is bringing to your life does not reflect in your giving, then you are a thief. You are violating a major principle of God. Because he wants to walk, he wants you to walk with your hands so that you may have to give. <laughs> because ultimately, he does not want you to live on what your hands are doing primarily. He wants, he wants to be the one that will feed you. So after you have worked with your hands, he said, now what you made with the works of your hand, bring it to me. Then see what I will do with it. Oh my God. See what I will do with it. See what I will do with it. He said, I will now show you that I can, I can take care of you more than your salary. I want to prophesy over somebody. As you begin to grow in the grace of God in this season, I will, you will begin to do things that are beyond your income. Amen. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said you will do things that are beyond your income. Amen. I speak as a prophet of God, things that people in your space, in your bracket. Can you get on your feet? This is powerful. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Things that people in your bracket, your income bracket, people with the number of years of experience that are similar to yours in career, things they should not be dabbling into. I declare by the operation of the grace of God, I see you operating in those realms seamlessly and stresslessly. Amen. Somebody shout, I give, I give. To, grow. to grow. I grow, I grow. And, I and I give. Come on, can you celebrate that one more time? That was one of the best messages I've ever had on giving. Are you a thief? Are you a thief? You know, because we can say, oh, after all, under the New Testament, we are not cursed with that. It would take cause, you know, we are just under the blessing, which is true. But the question is, are you maximizing the blessing you are under? God is not the one cursing you. But guess what? The blessing cannot be maximized until you learn to do what? Give. You know, the same way, you know, it's not what you do that makes you a Christian. What you do validates your Christianity. See, I'm a Christian. The blood of Jesus was shed for me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Whether I mess up or I don't mess up, 
I'm still, I'm still under, I'm still not under condemnation. Listen, if you don't live in accordance to the life you have received, that life will not be maximized. The maximization, the maximization of your new life is tied to your fruitfulness. So God still wants you to bear fruit. Okay, having said that, I'm so excited as I start a new series which is going to run all through, I mean, for the next several weeks, in fact, into Easter. God, God, God gave me this picture that I should run this series into Easter. I don't know if you know Easter is coming next month. Or you, or you, you don't know what is Easter. Please, speak for yourself. Some people that are born in America don't know. Because Easter is not that popular in America. True or false? It's not that popular. It's not that popular. I remember, I remember my first Easter in America 24 year, 23 or 24 years ago. And my wife was dressing up on Friday. She said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to work. Good Friday, you are going to work. Because Good Friday is, I mean, I know some companies give it. But majority of the companies, they don't give you holiday. Good Friday is just like any other Friday. By the way, what is Good Friday? Who knows what is Good Friday? Sunday school. If you don't know what is a Good Friday, raise up your hand. Can you see? God bless you for your sincerity. Not everybody knows. A Good Friday, traditionally, is the Friday where the crucifixion of Christ is celebrated. It's the Friday that is set apart to celebrate that Jesus was crucified. So we talk about Resurrection Sunday, then Good Friday. Do you get it now? God bless you for your sincerity. She was not the only one. There's other people. May you be delivered of lying. It's not everybody that knows it. Because if you, didn't, if you grew up in this nation, Good Friday might be a strange concept to you. But when we, grew, when we were growing up, it was not just Good Friday. It was Galilee Monday. Hey, who understands Galilee on Monday? Just a few of you. Galilee. That's when we do picnic. Then there's Palm Sunday. Which is the Sunday before what? Before, before the Good Friday. And everybody comes to, with Palm to church. Maybe we should do that this year. Where will you get palm? Where? Where? Artificial palm. <laughs> palm Sunday. But, you know, those were the traditions that some of us grew with. And it's not bad. Because even as a child, it marks your mind. Because you are celebrating Christ. And as far as I'm concerned, Easter celebration should be bigger than Christmas. Because Easter is what defines us. Fine, he was born. But he was born to die. What defines our relationship is based on his death primarily. So understanding what the death stands for is so key. So this morning, as I start the new series, Unveiling Jesus, write it down. Unveiling Jesus. Unveiling Jesus. Somebody's wondering, why unveiling Jesus? To unveil also means to reveal. Why is it necessary to reveal Jesus? Because Jesus was not always revealed. In fact, the Old Testament 
from Genesis to where does he end? Old Testament. Pastor Tayo said, Old Testament ends in Revelation. That's what he said. Where does your Old Testament end? You know, those of you that have been coming on Friday, you know, I've been giving quiz these days. Although some people are blackmailing me, they are, they are, they are, they are saying my quizzes are not friendly. Okay. This is not one of my three questions. Where does the Old Testament end, Steve? Malachi. Steve, how many of you are with, with Steve? Ah, why, why you think if you are with Steve, raise up your hand. The Old Testament ends with at Malachi. Raise up your hand. Raise, in fact, stand up. You are so confident. Your Old Testament ends with Malachi. Yeah, sit down. If you don't agree, Old Testament ends with Malachi. Can you stand up? Okay. Sit down. You don't agree with either of the two parties. <laughs> Raise up your hands. Maybe you have a revelation that the rest of us are yet to cut up on. Okay. You want to know the group that won? Tosin, you want to be the judge? Which group won? The first group or the second group? <laughs> Deji, you want to try? The first group won. The first group won, right? The second, you said second. Okay, okay, okay. Don't let it drag it. Let me disappoint you. The second group got it right. The Old Testament did not end in Malachi. The Old Testament ended with John. Although in the classification, in the Bible, it makes it look like the New Testament started with Matthew. No. Because the New Testament was not put in place until the blood of Jesus was shed. The ministry of Jesus, which was a transitional season, was still technically under the Old Testament. In fact, the Bible, was say, Bible says, I mean, that's why you need to come to my class on Friday. People would have been coming. You know what I'm talking about? Though some of them still flunk it. <laughs> it was a trick question. So you are saying, I'm beginning, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming consistent with tricking people when it comes to question. Okay, okay. So see you on Friday. We see this Friday, whether I'm as trickish as this. Okay. Jesus literally came to fulfill the law. He said it. So if he was fulfilling the law, that means he was still under what? <coughs> the old covenant. Because it was his blood that was shed to put the new covenant in place. Was the blood shed in Matthew? Come on, talk to me. Was the blood shed in Luke? Was the blood shed in Mark? Of course, the blood was shed at the hands of all. It was shed, right? It was in transition. So those, so those first three, four books of the New Testament are actually transitional books. They are transiting into what? The new. Now, listen, let me give you an example. Why would Jesus said, 
have only come to minister to the lordship of Israel. I don't know if you know the story of the woman whose daughter was sick and came to Jesus and said, Jesus, can you do something about the situation? And Jesus said, I wish I could. But based on my dispensation, the present dispensation, I cannot go beyond Israel. So Jesus technically came as a prophet under the old covenant to fulfill the law. Okay. So that question might come up on Friday. So I say, isn't in a salabus? It just had, it was just added just now. <laughs> so unveiling Jesus, revealing Jesus. Why? Because mostly under the old covenant, Jesus was concealed. A few people by revelation encountered him. In fact, under the old covenant, if there was anyone that was able to see what most people in his generation could not see, as far as Jesus is concerned, it was David. David was an extraordinary man. He was a prophet extraordinary. He knew things even beyond his dispensation. But mostly, Jesus was conceived to most of the people. In fact, this word, veil, was mentioned or used at different times in the Old Testament. The word veil means cover. Somebody say cover. There was a cover, a covering, a, 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 something that literally separated and, you know, limited people from seeing the other hand. The Bible talks about how Moses had a veil on his face in communicating with the children of Israel. They could not see through the eyes of Moses under the old covenant. In the temple, they had a veil. Maybe in our days we call it curtain, right? Separating the holy of holies from the rest of the, you know, the, the, their worship place. Because, you know, the, the, the Shekinah glory of God, the Ark of the Covenant, was behind the veil, which was a representation of the presence of God. And nobody there goes there. Even the priests that do that, they do it once a year. With the blood of animals. And the whole of Israel will be in fear because nobody was sure whether or not that person will come back alive. All because of the disobedience of the first man. Man was under judgment. And the blood of animals would be used over and over to appease God so that there could be some level of interaction between divinity and humanity. And sacrifices were made repeatedly because man was under judgment. So when you read scriptures like Romans chapter 8 verse 1 that says there is now no condemnation or there is now no judgment to death that in Christ Jesus you ought to rejoice. The question is, does it even mean anything to you? 
Because until Christ Jesus came, man was under judgment. Don't your neighbor say, I'm not under judgment. I'm under grace. Lift up your trust and shout grace. The sin of the first man created the separation between God and man. And man did not have that boldness to run into the presence of God. In fact, God, God was too merciful. That was why that he made sure that the sin of man was not recorded immediately after he sinned. Because all through, even the Old Testament, you will see characters, Bible characters that God dealt with them primarily by grace. Noah, Abraham, David, God was dealing with them. You know, do you know what David said? He said, if God were to count iniquity, would anybody be able to stand? Man was so messed up just because of the disobedience of the first man. But ladies and gentlemen, God happens to be a man or if, to be someone who's full of love. I want you to put your both hands on your chest and say, God's love is deep. God's love is beyond understanding. God's love is too much. Somebody sang, Jesus, you love me too much. It's, it's extremely crazy beyond understanding love. And that's the reason why, listen, that's the reason why God will not let that stay forever. Because he made man for man to be his family. Don't you never say, I, am made, I was made to be God's family. Tell at least three people around you, I was made to be God's family. I was made. He made me to be what? Family. I'm family. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not supposed to be a stranger. I'm not supposed to be staying outside the court. And listen, before we go into how the veil was torn, which we're going to do in this series, first of all, let's see the love that started the whole process of bringing Jesus out of concealment into revelation. Because for man to be fixed, Jesus must be revealed. All through the Old Testament, he was concealed. He was concealed. It was a plan that God was putting together. And he was giving us resemblances and pictures and types to show us or to give us an idea of what is to come. But man never had the opportunity to lay hold in fullness of what is to come. So Old Testament is full of the pictures and the images of what is to come. A resemblance of the real thing. But it was never the real thing. But there's something, a force that made it happen. And that's the force I want to talk about today. Because at the center of unveiling Jesus, you will see the love of the Father. Write it down. At the center of unveiling Jesus, you will see what? The art of love. The art of love. You know, as I was thinking about how to start this series, 
it dawned on me that there's no better introduction than the love of the Father. Before we start talking about how gracious Jesus is, let us look at the love that produced your merited favor. The amazing grace of Jesus is a product of the unconditional love of God. Write it down. The amazing grace of Jesus is a product of what? The unconditional love of God. I repeat, the amazing grace, the amazing unmerited, unhand, undeserved favor of God, of, of Jesus, is a product of what? The unconditional love of God. And ladies and gentlemen, until you understand this love, you cannot even make most of his grace. Because the force behind the grace is the love. The love of God is so strong, is so powerful, is so crucial, is so, is so, is so relevant that every believer must know what this love is. I'm not just talking about a traditional understanding of love, but I'm talking about a true revelation of the love of God. Love is more than what we do or you do. Love is who God is. So you can never, you can never understand love if you don't understand God. First John chapter 4 says, God is. He does not just do love. He is love. In fact, the reason why he does love is because he's love. So I say, what, what is the, the most powerful thing about God? It's love. Oh, he's good. He's kind. He's gracious. He's all that because he is love. He's compassionate. Oh, it's large after the, after the, keep on mentioning the attributes. Oh, you're Jehovah. Oh, yeah, yeah, throw it out. Jehovah, sharp, sharp. Come on, come on, throw it around. Is Jehovah a righteousness because he's love? Is Jehovah a healer because he's what? Come on, talk to me. Which other? Come on, throw it, throw it. Because every, from time to time, I hear some new Jehovah. Jehovah Robin. Jehovah Ronaldo. You know. Whatever Jehovah he is, is because he is love. Every attribute of God proceeds from the nature of his love. You know, but the sad point is this. The sad part is this. You know, when people start talking about this, the next thing they jump into, brethren, we must love because God is love. I came this morning to say, folks, I'm not saying brethren now, folks, you must receive love because the love that you have not received, you cannot express. Write it down. The love you have not what received. You cannot what 
if I start telling you, love, 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 and you have not received love, ladies and gentlemen, I'm only setting you up for frustration because you can only give as much as you have received. You know, one of the things God taught me recently is this. The secret to living a life that is free of bitterness, a life that is full of animosity, a life that is free of offense, is to receive God's love consistently and addictively. Because I wish I can promise you today that no one will hurt you again in your life. Hello, somebody. I cannot. I cannot even promise myself. In fact, there are people sitting here today that will still hurt me. So I say, is that a revelation? Yes, I know. I know. It's just normal. It's life. You hurt your friends. You hurt your family. The best people that, in fact, the best of the best people that you, in fact, there's somebody, I'm still putting myself together to send a message to her just to communicate my heart so that, because I know she's disappointed in me. You know, my, my friend, my, my wife was telling me something recently. She said, you know this thing, when people feel they are so close to you, they feel so close, but in your heart, you know, I love you, but the level of closeness you are feeling, I'm not yet there. Anybody, anybody with me? And when people like that go through stuff and you are not so dear, what happens? What happens? They are seriously hurt. I have somebody like that who lost a brother last year. But it was a time that a lot was going on in my life. And because of that, of course, I reached out, but I could see that she was not satisfied. She felt I should come around. I mean, I'm close to you. It's not just a phone call of, sorry, spend time with me. And it's not like I don't want to spend time with her. But listen, number one, I have a wife. Which I have to manage for the rest of my life. I have children that still need me. What about all of you? And it's not just you that I'm talking to. I have thousands of members all over the world that depend on me. That I have to feed their pastors, instruct their pastors, guide their pastors. Then I now have a bunch of people that are not even in Kingsword or Dinu that call me Pops. As long as they don't hear from me in two weeks. It's third world war. Pastor, you are. And some of those people, I won't mention their names, they are A-list preachers to the glory of God. But they just look up to me, they love my guidance, and have to feed you every Sunday morning and, you know, be a good husband. Do dishes. Because that's one of the things a good husband does. Do dishes. Vacuum. My mama did not raise me like that. You raise yourself. 
This is 21st, 21st century. Do dishes. Be a nice man. As tired as I was yesterday, I picked up my phone at 8.24 to realize that my wife was flying in at 8.40 from Houston. I mean, the first thing that is called, called protocol. Is it the protocol that married her? I was still eating when I saw it. I had to carry my food inside the car. Before, for the first 10 minutes, I was eating and driving. Say, baby, have you come out of the car? Don't worry, I'll be there in 10, 15 minutes. Was it convenient? It wasn't convenient, but I had to do it because that's my responsibility. You know, there are things you do. I mean, it's not as if you don't have other resources that can do it. There are people that live around the airport that I could have called. But no, it's my... I made it more, even on my several years ago that when it comes to runs like that, I will not delegate it. It's my assignment. It's one of the ways I tell my wife, I care about you. Even when I have resources that, I mean, people that can do it for me, I will do it personally. Now, with all that going on in my life, somebody somewhere still feel like, ah, me and Pastor K, we're like this. And I'm not saying, when people say, ah, I'm tight, will I say that we're not tight? And we are tight for the longest time until something happens. And they now expect our tightness to reflect in the way I show up. But it just happens that you are not there. Impurity, that's the truth. There are other things that are of higher priority. I wish I could split myself into 500 places and just send myself out. Maybe technology will get there one day. But we're not yet there. So it's still me that needs to sleep seven hours. I mean, do a bunch of... So things happen like that. So I'm still putting myself together. I'm going to compose. Please be praying for me. I'm going to compose. A, a text message to say you are special, you are loved. I'm very sorry I could not be there for you. I wish I could, but that wish might not happen. The truth of the matter is, it's not just practical. So people get hurt. And the reason why some people are hurt, they have legitimate reason. There are people that are not coming to church again because they feel I was not there for them. And listen, I, I tried. But I'm not Jesus. That's why he gave you the Holy Ghost. He says he will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, I, I'm free to leave you. <laughs> because for some people, it's not the pastoral system they want. It's the pastor. I'm not what I'm talking about. There's a system in place. They know. My name is Ceremony. Pastor must name it. If I start naming children, my itinerary will feed. At the rates, some of you are getting your wife pregnant. <laughs> Say, Pastor must be the one to name my child. Pastor must, I mean, the other day, somebody called me all the way from Nigeria. He said, this is my wedding. And I said, God bless you. I don't think I'll be able to make it. He said, I did not hear that. <laughs> and the next thing, the mother called. The mother said, I had a rumor that you are not planning to come for the wedding. He said, that way, this is not happening. I'm, okay, we'll see. And two weeks before that, someone has already called me that my wedding is in. I'm like, how many weddings will I officiate? And these are even, no, they are not members of King's Ward. 
Interesting enough, members of Kingston will not even try that. Because there's a system. Go and meet your pastor, my friend. What's wrong with you? Am I, am I your pastor? I'm your apostle. Members of Kingston, we don't even put demands like that on me. Boys, outside children. And by the virtue of my apostolic ministry, I have many outside children. You know, Yoruba has a way of saying it. You know, the way, the way Yoruba language says it is very, very interesting. For those of you that are omoita, you know. <laughs> you know, but they are the ones that put, and they are serious. Ah, Dr. K, we are like this. I don't know when we became like that. And they sincerely mean it. So they, they want to pull on you and you must be there for them. Somebody was calling me last week. I went through surgery. You were not there. I said, I didn't even know you had surgery. See, I nearly died. Ah, you will not die but live. So I said, don't worry. I'm on vacation now. When I get back to Chicago, I will call you. I've not even called. So pray for me. I have to call. And that's why, as an apostle, one of my primary responsibilities is to teach people to drink the love of God because it helps my own life. Husband, the best revelation you can give your wife is let your wife come to the knowledge of the love of God. Because, listen, love tanks. All this demanding on people to feel your love tanks is dangerous. Write it down. My love tank must be filled primarily by God. Write it down, my friend. Please, please write it down. My love tank. I mean, we enjoy life better. For your wife, say, my love tank is low. I say, okay. Even my own love like tank is low too. But there's something about you and I coming to a place that the love of God is so real to us primarily more than any other thing. And if there's anything that made Jesus outstanding is the appreciation, the assimilation, and the revelation of the love of his father. You know, just yesterday night, before I slept, I was just going through the different scriptures that expressed how much of God's love that Jesus was drinking. Even when he was on earth, he had left heaven, he was ready here, but guess what? He kept on talking about him and his father. John chapter 10, verse 30. Are you getting blessed this morning? John chapter 10, verse 30. 30. John 10, 30. The love of God, the love of God is so important. I'm not saying love for God, I'm saying love of God. Realizing and appreciating how much God loves you. Being real. You know, there was a time in my life, I think I need to go back there. Every morning I wake up the first thing, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. And I realized my life was great. God loves me. God, rather than, I don't feel love. I don't feel love. God loves me. Lift up your hands and shout and say, God loves me. God loves me. Come on, Shari, let me hear you say, God loves me. Love Jump on your feet and shout it. This might be your lifesaver. Shari, say, God loves me. Shout it again. Say, God loves me. me. Turn to your spouse or your neighbor, wherever is around you, and shout it on him. And say, God loves me. He loves me big. He loves me short. He loves me tall. He loves me middle. He loves me anyhow. Shout it again. Say, God loves me. me. Sit down. 
We're talking about an unconditional love. Love. And I've tried it over the years. I remember when, when, <laughs> when my wife just, uh, when, when we just had our first child. Imagine, the boy is 20 now. Sorry, the man. The man. Last week I told him, I said, you are officially Mr. Casey going forward. <laughs> Can you call a 20-year-old man boy? You're a man. So think like a man. Do what? So, but I remember, you know, when, when my wife just had our son and, you know, all the extra calories that came in the process, because when she was pregnant, she was always asking for, say, Papa, yeah, what were yours? So, baby. So I'll go there. So as the baby was growing, other things were growing too. So after the baby had been dropped, there was still like 30-something pounds hanging around. And I would look at my wife and say, baby, I still love you. Say, stop it. <laughs> you are supposed to be encouraging me to go to gym. I said, you don't. If I was discouraging her, say, you don't need to go to gym. Just take it easy. I love you like this. Can you say I'm a good man? Although she did not listen to me. Thank God she did not listen to me. <laughs> she, because she hits the gym run immediately. It was like, it was, and if you know my wife, it's a mission. And she, within four months, everything disappeared. But she was deliberate. But I was fine. I love her. After all, was, was I not the responsible one? Was the, she, she get herself pregnant. Why will I get a woman pregnant and now be complaining that she's big? It was me that started the process. That was fine. But she said, no, I must lose it. But the point is this. God loves you in your mess. And he loves you without mess. He loves you when you are great. And he loves you when you are at your low, low level. You know, naturally, we think God loves us when we're doing all the right things. So, oh my God. I know you must be happy with me. But when you are doing that messy thing, as messy as that thing is, do you know it's love for you did not change? It might not endorse what you are doing, but you as a person, he loves. One of the things we must learn to do is separate what we do from who we are. You as a person, he loves you. I don't know who I'm talking to. You are under condemnation. You are struggling. Something you did seven years ago, something you did 20 years ago, something you did 15 years ago, the accuser of the brethren is still bringing it right in your face. You are a mess. You know, you are unreliable. You lied. You fornicated. You slept with somebody who is not your husband. You slept with somebody else's husband. You did this. You aborted seven children. You know, listen. If that was the case, Paul has no business being in the New Testament. Paul was a mess. I'm talking about Apostle Paul who ended up writing over two-thirds of the New Testament. He was so much a mess that he was the one that gave people that were harassing Christians the endorsement to mess up. Right there when Stephen was being martyred, the air was sore. Then we later became Paul saying, it's okay, kill him. Nothing will happen to you. I will be your lawyer. You know, lawyer and amazing people. Lawyer, I will be your lawyer. Kill. And that same Paul had the mouth to say, I wrong no man. Mm -hmm. This love of God 
is crazy. And can you imagine with that kind of history? Even look at David. Of all people in the Old Testament, why was he a man, a fornicator? A fornicator by the name David. That was the person that God picked for an everlasting covenant. He said, the scepter will never leave your house. Jesus will come from your lineage. I will never take it away. You, David, 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 who sent his man to war, set him up to die just to sleep with his wife. David. Let's even assume, okay, he was a time of slackness and you know, God forgave him. Why will God still make sure it was the product that came as a result of this illegal relationship between him and someone else's wife that was endorsed to be the next king? Did he not have other children? At times it feels like God has amnesia. But that's how much he loves you. You're feeling down this morning. You're feeling discouraged this morning. You're feeling you've messed up. You've missed opportunities. You've not been the best boy. You, you were raised better. You should have done better. You, have, you are slapping yourself, eating yourself, stabbing yourself. But God sent me to tell you, I still love you. Because that's where the message of the cross began. He loves you. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so love. In other words, he does not just love, he so love. For God so love. For God's, you know, any message of the cross or, 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 or the gospel that does not focus on the love of God is fake. For God so loved that he gave Jesus. Even Jesus was given because he loves. For God so loved that he gave. So love was what drove him to give his own son to put his own son dead, to, to put him to death for criminals like you and I. Get on your feet. God loves you. Come on, scream one more time. Lift up your tongue and say, God loves me. I know it. I believe it. I profess it. It's real to me. Now tell someone there, you say the love of God for me is more real than the mess. I have made. Oh, come on. Did you hear that? The love of God for me is more real than all the mistakes I've manufactured. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, it says, you being evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much your heavenly father whose heart is full of love. He loves me. Everything God does, he does it because he loves. And if you are here this morning, you major in loving God. I have a scripture for you. First John chapter 4 verse 19. Oh, I love God. 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 Great God lover in this place. Listen, I would rather say where people loved by God in this place. First John chapter four, verse, chapter 4, verse 19. We are a people loved by God in this place. 
Should we love God? Yes. But this is where it starts. Shout it. One, two, three, go. So where, 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 where do we start? He loved us. Should we love him? Yes. But the starting point is, so more, more than you profess your love for God, profess his love for you. You know, there was a disciple that stood out. Media, I will need you. John chapter 19, verse 26. John chapter 20, verse 2. John chapter 20, verse 7. And John chapter 20, verse 21. We're going to run in one after the other. First of all, John chapter 19, verse 26. John chapter 19, verse 20. This was John writing about what happened. And let's see what he said. One, two, three, go. Read it. Stop. Who was he referring to? <laughs> John was crazy. I mean, why can't you say when Jesus saw his mother and saw me? But look at how he describes himself. Read it again. If some of you were part of the other disciples, you would have beaten him up. In fact, reading his own account of the gospel, you would have gone to his house. Hey, John, are you out of your mind? What were you trying to say? Are you trying to say he did not love the rest of us? Jesus never said he loved anyone more than the other. But there was a John whose that the love of God was real to more than any other person, more than any other disciple. So he called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. Do we have people that are in that same tribe here? Come on, I'm looking for people in the tribe of John. Where are those disciples? Oh, you are God lovers. Who are the disciples that Jesus loved? Come on, wave your hands and shout and say, I am part of the family that God loves crazily, outstandingly, excessively, and addictively. He said Jesus saw his mother, then he saw me, the disciple that he loved. Now go to the next chapter, John chapter 20 verse 2. Let me run through this. Come on, are you getting something out of this? There's something about drinking that love. Feeling that love. <laughs> I mean, you know, those of you that are married or planning to get married or you are in a romantic relationship, you know when you are feeling the love of your loved one? Say, ah, you are too much. I like the way you love me. Ah! John chapter 20 verse 2. Balakosoto Boyekeya. 1996 was a unique year for me. I was in a place called Oweri doing National Youth Service Cup. My wife was in Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma. And, you know, we didn't see for well over two years in that period. But I was carrying letters all over the place. I was carrying pictures all over the place. I was a man who was madly in love. People say, do you have a relationship? Yes. Where is she? She's far away. But it did not matter that she was far away because I felt the love. The love was so real to me. It was real. Uh, can you read this one again? Please make sure you write all these scriptures down. They might come up in your quiz on Friday. Right there. Yeah, can, you, can you read it? One, two, three, go. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. If you are Simon Peter, and they just brought the account of John 
where Jesus is concerned to you and you are reading it. And he came to Simon Peter and the other disciple that Jesus loved. What will you do, Jemima? <laughs> you go find John. Say, John, what are you trying to say? He came to me and the disciple that Jesus loved. So am I the disciple that Jesus does not love? But John could not be bothered. Turn to your number and say, say your own. I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. I'm not concerned about your revelation. I am more concerned about my revelation. What is your revelation? I said, what is your revelation? I said, what is your revelation? Wow. Now, still in that journey, John, in a single letter, in a single account, he has mentioned it how many times now? Two. Now go to John chapter 21, verse 7. John, John. John the beloved. <laughs> John chapter 21, verse 7. John chapter 21 and verse 7. Okay. Let's see what he has to say here. One, two, three, go. <laughs> Peter again. <laughs> John meant Peter. <laughs> then the disciple whom Jesus loved said, can you imagine, put yourself, you are the one writing an account. Is it not easier to just say, and John, or and I? But he felt more, he said, he said let's explain it to them. The disciple that, f- 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 to make sure they don't miss this part. Don't you ever say, I want to ensure, I want to ensure. you don't miss this very crucial part. I am the disciple that Jesus loved. He said, he said to Peter, it is Lord. I'm the disciple that Jesus loved and I'm telling you, it's the Lord. Now go to verse 20. John chapter 21 verse 20. Unveiling Jesus. It starts from that place of knowing the love of the Father. Read it. I'm feeling for Peter at this point. <laughs> because it seems most of the time, he used that phrase with Peter in the story. Peter turning around, saw the disciple that Jesus loved. But you know the beautiful thing? John chapter 19 verse 26 makes us to realize it was that disciple that Jesus loved that was at his feet when every other disciple had left. So at the end of the day is the disciple that know the love of Jesus that will stay with Jesus. Write it down. Is the disciple that know the love of Jesus that stays with Jesus. Is the disciple that knows the love of Jesus that commits to Jesus. Is the disciple that knows the love of Jesus that Jesus can trust. Hey! Go back to John chapter 19 verse 26. So rather say, ah, I love God, I love God. He loves me, he loves me. Because at the end of the day, it's knowing his love that puts me in a position to be reliable. It's knowing his love that puts me in a position to be committed. It's knowing his love that puts me in a position to be consecrated. It's knowing his love that puts me in a position to outlast everything. Do you know almost 
the Bible, Bible issue revealed that literally every disciple of Jesus was martyred. Andrew, even Uncle Thomas. Thomas was killed in India. You know, after all the mess, he repented. He went to India, did mighty work. They were telling me when I went to India. And they were all killed for one, one way or the other. Guess the only person that they could not kill? It was John. They put him in a boiling, boiling oil. He did not die. So when they did not know what to do with him, they now took him to an island to rot. And that's when he now started writing the book of Revelation. He died of natural death at a very old age. Apparently, the love, knowing the love of God preserves you. Let's read verse 26 one more time. John chapter 19, verse 26. Ready, one, two, three, go. I want to end with this. You know, Jesus was a faithful son. He was about to leave this world. So he needed to commit. Those of you that don't treat your parents well, this is a revelation for you. Even Jesus, who was the savior of the world, paid attention to what? His parents. Because apparently there were certain things he was doing as a son for his mother. So he said, where was the father? As of this time, Joseph had passed. So it was just, and by the way, was Joseph the father? Was the Holy Ghost? <laughs> it was only borrowed. So <laughs> it was not his seed. It was not his seed. God just borrowed him. So, okay. <laughs> was he not borrowed? Was he the one that impregnated Mary? No, it was borrowed. So, when Jesus was looking for somebody that could handle his responsibilities, by the time he would have left this world, he, needed, he wanted to commit a very sensitive assignment. Who did he find? Who did he find? Who did he choose? So, at the end of the day, it's the people that know his love that will be able to commit sensitive things into their hands. I'm loved by God. Can you put your hands around yourself? Say, I am loved by God. In closing, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. Father, but who tells me so? Did you go to Sunday school? Come on, sing it. Yes, Jesus. Come on, let me hear you say. Come on, let me hear you say.
My main choir. Come on, let's sing it. Just men. Where are my men? Come on, raise it. Pastor Godfrey. Yeah. I can't hear the baritone. Man, 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 give it to me. Come on, yes, yes. Now over to my wonderful women and ladies. Come on. First John chapter 4 verse 16. Everybody. First John 4 16. Let's read it. One, two, three, go. Read it one more time. Can you beat your chest? Say, I know the love of God. So there's something about knowing that love and believing that love is everything. In John chapter 15, verse 9, he said, As the Father, this was Jesus speaking, John 15, 9. He said, As the Father hath loved me, John 15, 9, even so. I love you. He now went on to say, continue in this love. So how do we love? We love by knowing first that Father, he loved. can you see? He said, Father loved me, so I love you. <laughs> so Jesus loves me because the Father loved Jesus and Jesus knew. So Jesus loved because he knew that he was loved. So you love as you know that you are loved. Have I communicated something powerful to you today? Say, lift up a right hand and say after me, say, I believe the love that, the love that God has for me. 
regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of the challenges, the love of God is still more real. I believe that love and I know that love will never leave me hanging. I rejoice in the love that God has for me. Come on, celebrate Jesus, somebody. What a powerful message. Did you learn something today? We hope you've been richly blessed by this teaching from Kingswood Ministries International. Feel free to visit our website at kingswood.org for more inspiring teachings by Dr. K. Ijishasong. There you'd also find other helpful materials and further information about this ministry. God bless you richly.